out the Junior High Ministry Podcast at Mariner's Church. For this and more content, check us out online at marinerschurch.org slash jhm. Hope you guys are doing good. Had uh, your coffee. Actually, I hope you didn't have coffee until you're in college. I hope you had your breakfast, your bowl of cereal, your pancakes, eggs. I, on the other hand, had my coffee. I think I drank about two and a half cups this morning. So, and I haven't had any food, so my stomach's doing this gargly thing. The morning gargles. I don't know what's going to happen, but uh, we'll figure it out. Are you guys doing good? Ready for school? To g- yeah, ready for school to get started? Ready for, for whatever's going to happen to happen? Well, here's the thing. Mariner's Church Junior High, we believe, can you guys hear me? It just keeps falling. Is that okay? Oh, you can. We believe that this, this service here exists so that we can learn to honor God with our life. That, that the weeks, that week by week, we live these lives at school, at home, out on the playground, out playing sports. But when we come to the weekend service, we believe that this is a part of honoring God with our life. And we believe that it's our job somehow to point you to Jesus to, in some regard. That no matter where you're at in life, whether you're having some, t- some tough times, some easy times, some fun times, you're ready for school, you're not ready for school, that this is a place that you feel welcome. And so with that said, I want to say if it's your first time here, welcome. I'm so happy you're here. I hope that you come back for the weeks to come. If it's not your first time here, it's your second time, third time, fourth time, welcome. I'm also happy that you're here. I hope that you invite your friends and you find that this place is your place. It's a place you can come, you have a, you have a voice to be heard, you have stuff to be learned. But when you come here, you feel powered and equipped to go and, and spread the word of Jesus throughout the world. And so that's why we exist here. So with that said, I'm going to pray, so pray with me. God, thanks for this day. Thanks for who you are. Thanks for your son, Jesus. And um, God, that song that we sang says, your love, it never fails. God, that it never gives up. And God, if we don't learn anything today, except for one thing, can that be it? That your love is bigger and wider and deeper than we could ever imagine. And God, we pray this in your name. Amen. Okay, okay. So in our breakout groups, we talked about familiar places in our life that suddenly become not so familiar. Does anyone have an example? The kid, how so? <laughs> and it's always changing. Anyone else? Christian? She always changes her car, the way it looks. Anybody else? Your, your sister's room. Does the furniture change? Does she paint the walls? No, like, oh, it's definitely It's moved. Her nights of sleep are pretty insane. That's funny. You, okay. New carpet at his school. Oh, at your house. Sorry. Your what? Your grandmother's living room? What could be different in a girl? She's not going to get up and move her stuff herself, is she? Oh, you do it. That's funny. Justin earlier said that his mom went and painted his room olive green. And that, I said, is just a slap in the face. When your mom comes in when you're out of the room and changes everything, ugh. Okay. They changed the entire logo. Yeah, so we have these familiar places in our lives, places like our, like our school or maybe our house, places that we go to 
often, and, and suddenly they become not so familiar to us. So I, I'm from Cody, Wyoming. Who knows where Wyoming is? Anybody? If you were to say where Wyoming was in one word, what would you say? Above Colorado. Above You hit the nail right on the head. Not one person in the last service said that. This is stuff like North America, United States, above Colorado. So Wyoming is this square state located above Colorado and below Montana. And there sits Wyoming. A lot of you guys probably haven't been there. But my hometown is called Cody, Wyoming. And I lived there for 18 years of my life. And believe it or not, there's only 8,000 people in that entire town. Mariners as a whole is bigger than the entire town of Cody, Wyoming. I have a picture of Main Street. There it is. That is the busiest street in Cody. Yeah, we got the mountains, the, the, the Irma Hotel, which is right off to the left there, that sign. It's like one of the biggest hotels in Cody. Believe it or not, there's only 8,000 people there. That's as busy as it gets. That's my hometown. My dad also owns a movie theater in Wyoming. I have a sign. That, that's the parking lot of the movie theater where my that my dad owns. But because there's only 8,000 people, because it's so small, I can close my eyes right now and I can actually think about what it looks like to be driving down Main Street, what it looks like to look, turn right and find the Peter's Cafe, and what it looks like to, to go to the tennis courts or to go to school. I know what exactly, I know the roads like at the back of my, 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 my hand, you know. I know it so well. I can think about the lobby of my dad's movie theater, a very familiar place to me. But now I only go home about once or twice a year, hopefully more than that. But that's as many times I typically go home. And when I go home, there's maybe a new bank is being built, or maybe a new road is paved, or maybe my dad painted the inside of his lobby. But suddenly, this town that is so familiar to me, it seems as though, man, it's not so familiar anymore. It's changing. And the question we want to ask today is, what if God could come into your familiar place, the place that you are used to, and change it, and make it different, make it new, turn it around? And we're going to read a story about that today. So we're going to talk about a guy named Moses. Who knows who Moses is? Tell me something about him. Wade, you know something? That's okay. Go ahead. He was in a basket. You've been to other services. That's cool. What about you? Moses. What do you know about him? Anyone who parted the Red Sea? What do you know about Moses? Walked everybody, all the Israelites through the desert, way in the back, blue shirt. God chose him to free the Israelites. That's key. We're going to talk about that today. What about, did you, were you going to say something? Part, you think he's part of the royal family? Okay, what else? From the poor part? Okay, yeah, yeah. One more thing. Justin Irvin's holding your hand up, so give it to me. He was, man, okay. <laughs> according to him. Way to go, way to give him the answers. We're not going to talk about it today, but that's a, very, that's a very cool thing to know about Moses. But the reality is that we, we know a lot about Moses. Moses led his people through, through Egypt. And there was a very, there's a moment in his life where he met Jesus at a very familiar place. And so we're going to learn about that today. Exodus 3. If you don't have your Bible, then that's okay. Please bring it. We, we open them up on a weekly basis. That'd be awesome if you were to bring it. Exodus 3, verse 1 through 3. This is what it says. Now Moses, the guy we're talking about today, 
was tending the flock of Jethro, his father-in-law, the priest of Midian, and he led the flock to the far side of the desert and came to Harab, the mountain of God. So let me break this down for you. We hear a lot of words that we've never heard before. Harab, Jethro, the mountain of God. So let me tell you, Jethro is his father-in-law, and Moses was a shepherd. That's what he did. You junior high boys, you play video games. You go to school. You're growing up. You're, you're doing crazy things. You play sports. That is what you do. You girls, according to Cheryl, are babysitters. <laughs> right? No? Okay. You guys listen to One Direction, and you go to school. You play games. You do your hair. You do your... That's what you do. What Moses did was he was a shepherd. He, were to, he led flocks. He, he made sure that they knew what they were doing. He made sure they were growing up and being big, fat animals because eventually they were going to eat them or sacrifice them. That was Moses' job. And so Moses was leading his father-in-law's flock through Harab, through the desert, to what we call the mountain of God. Now, anytime we hear something like he's leading them to the mountain of God, the mountain of God is a very normal place that he would have gone. The mountain of God is where people would go to worship God. So Moses was walking a road that he would have walked many times in his life. He probably would have known where the forks were in the road. He probably would have known where the bushes were. He probably would have known what the sunset looked like. He probably would have Instagrammed the pictures, you know, two or three times a week walking there. He would have known what the sunset looked like. He would have known a lot about this road that he was walking on. And so this was a very familiar place for Moses to be going. So let's continue the story. Verse 2. There... The angel of the Lord appeared to him in flames of fire from within a bush. Moses saw that, nobody? An angel appeared to Moses from within a bush of fire. That never happens. We never hear anything like that. This is a crazy story. And it says, within a bush, Moses saw that though the bush was on fire, it did not burn up. So Moses thought, I will go over it and see this strange sight. Why the bush does not burn up. So here's the thing. Moses is walking on a very familiar road, doing a very normal thing in his life. And then suddenly, a bush gets engulfed with flames. And an angel comes to him. A bush starts on fire, and, and, and suddenly, this very familiar place, he, Moses is going, I'm not, this is not too familiar anymore. Notice what he does. He says, I'm actually going to go over and see what the heck's going on. Because this never happens. One, if a bush lights on fire in the desert, chances are it's just going to light on fire, lightning strike or something, and then the bush is going to burn up, which probably didn't happen that often. But, okay, so the bush is on fire, but then it wasn't being consumed, which means Moses had to stand there and make sure that the, to see if the flames were burning it, and the bush wasn't burning. And so Moses said, man, what is going on here? i got to go see what's happening. So let's jump over, Exodus 4 through 5, see what happens. When the Lord saw that he had gone over to look, God called, for, called to him from within the bush, Moses, Moses. And Moses said, here I am. Do not come any closer, God said. Take off your sandals, for the place where you are standing is holy ground. So here's the deal. God, the creator of the universe, who created you, who knit you together in your mother's womb, who knit your parents together in your mother's womb, in their mother's womb, who put this universe, the stars and the Milky Way galaxy, and the planets, who put those in place, suddenly was centrally located inside of one bush. A miracle in and of itself. And then he hears a voice from within the bush. Moses, Moses, and Moses says, here I am. Like, 
what's going on? I'm right here. Whoever's calling me, I'm right here. Exodus 3, 7 through 10. I'm going to read this kind of fast because it's kind of long. The Lord said, I have indeed seen the misery of my people in Egypt. So he's speaking from within this bush. I have heard them crying out because of their slave drivers, and I am concerned about their suffering. So I have come down to rescue them from the hand of the Egyptians and to bring them up out of the land into a good and spacious land, a land flowing with milk and honey, and ho uh, the home of the Canaanites, Hittites, Amorites, Perizzites, Hivites, and the Jebusites. And now the cry of the Israelites has reached me, and I have seen the way the Egyptians are oppressing them. So here's the key. So now, go. I am sending you to Pharaoh to bring my people, the Israelites, out of Egypt. So God does not come into this bush simply just to sign autographs. To say, you know, I'm just going to burn up this bush and see how much attention I can get. God came down with a purpose. God came down in hopes to show Moses a little glimpse of what God is in the business of doing. He says, I see the cry of my people. I see the hurt. I see the oppression of the Egyptians that are, that are giving to my people, the Israelites. I see what's happening to them. And he says, I don't like it. God's heart is for the hurt, the people being oppressed, those people in life who may not have direction. God says, I see you and I don't like it. When you think about your life, you think about your friends, you think about your families, and you're like, man, I got some hurt. I know some people who are really hurting. I know some people who aren't doing very well. Maybe that's me. Maybe I'm not the one doing that well in my life. And God says, I see you. I see your friends. I see your family. And in this story, Moses gets a tiny glimpse of God's heart, of what God is in the business of doing. What God wants to do is come into this world and use you to save people. Moses, he comes down and gives Moses a mission. He says, go. I'm sending you to Pharaoh to bring my people, the Israelites, out of Egypt. God interrupted Moses in a very normal, on a very normal road. In a very, Moses, this guy who on the surface is, is, is just a shepherd. God says, I'm going to interrupt your life and I'm going to change the course of your life. Let's learn a little bit more about this guy we call Moses. So I'm going to jump back. So before this happened, I'm going to jump back. We're going to learn a little background of who Moses is exactly. Exodus 2, 1 through 3 says, Now a man of the house of Levi married a Levite woman. And she became pregnant and gave birth to a son. Who do you think this son is? Moses. When she saw that, she had, she, that he was a fine child, she hid him for three months. But when she could hide him no longer, she got a papyrus basket for him and coated it with tar and pitch. Then she placed the child from within it and put it among the reeds along the bank of the Nile. Moses' family, Moses' parents, Mom and dad said, I, we can't take care of this child. We're hiding this child. We can't take care of him. So they literally weave a basket out of weeds and put this basket inside the Nile, inside the river, in hopes, crossing their fingers that, man, maybe somebody, maybe somebody will find this child. Maybe somebody will, will take this child. 
I have a three and a half month old son. He's in the back. He's with my wife back there. I cannot imagine taking this child and saying, I, I just can't, I, I can't take care of you anymore. And just, just leaving my child there to just hopefully somebody will pick him up and, and decide to adopt him. Later in the story of Moses, verse 10, 210, it says, when the child grew older, she took Pharaoh's daughter and he became her son. So Moses was older when he finally got adopted into a family. She named him Moses, saying, I drew him out of the water. So Moses had these parents that couldn't take care of him. He grew up without really knowing who his parents were. And then suddenly he becomes older. And finally, people were like, I will adopt you into my family. But not just any family. Later in the story, Pharaoh tries to kill Moses time and time again. And Moses has to flee from town to town. Not really staying in one place to make friends. Not really staying in one school or one place of learning where he can really, really grasp what's happening. Moses suddenly has this upbringing that's kind of tough. Exodus 4.10 says, Moses said to the Lord, O Lord, I have never been eloquent, neither in the past nor since you have spoken to your servant. I am slow to speech and tongue. Moses, on top of having this pretty tough upbringing, it says that he was slow to speech and tongue. He couldn't really talk that well. Some people believe that he stuttered pretty bad. Yet God came to him in a, a burning bush and said, I'm in the business of saving people, and I want to use you, Moses. Moses suddenly fits into God's story. An ordinary place, an ordinary place in Moses' life suddenly becomes not so ordinary. So what about you guys? When you hear this story, you kind of think, man, what about my life? Can God really use me? My, my upbringing was kind of tough. I, I don't know if God can use me, how he used Moses. I, can't, I don't understand this fully. I, I'm not the popular kid. I, I don't have you know, that much money. I'm struggling kind of to get stuff in school. My grades aren't doing that well. Maybe I'm not that good at sports, and you know, maybe I'm getting bullied, or, or maybe you're like, man, I'm struggling because I'm trying to fit in with my friends. I'm doing the one doing the bullying, and I just want to stop. Could God use you in his story? Let's watch this video. For the Lord God is a sun and shield. He is a refuge in the mountains rest in his arms. The violent wind is only a whisper of his power. His words quietly beat against our chest. Before I shaped you in the womb, I knew all about you. A prophet to the nations. That's what I had in mind for you. But your days are insignificant, irrelevant, unable to foresee your next step, your life, mundane, unremarkable. The recluse and the unheard, you are of the broken, the damaged. But he draws you into the light and softly whispers to you, go and lead the people. You were chosen, handpicked by the almighty God to bring forth an awakening to our generation, a generation desperate for your obedience. 
You were born to lead, to conquer the path set before you, to drown evil and take the land. Unify in arms. Stand. Rooted in truth, you were born to know the Father and to make Him known. Your life is the blink of an eye, the flutter of a wing, the flash of a bulb, but your days could echo for eternity. So wrap your fingers tightly around your calling and recklessly follow our Jesus, the pioneer of our way. Take up your staff, put your feet to the ground one before the next. For our Father says, those who lead many to righteousness will shine like the stars forever and ever. So, what are you passionate about? Are you looking at your life and saying, man, I have these goals in place. I, I really like what I'm doing. And maybe you're looking at God and saying, he's a roadblock in my life. What does it look like for you to take place in God's story? Because when you get a glimpse of God's heart, just like Moses did, you can do nothing but take part in that story. What I want you to do is I, I want you to turn to your friend right now, just one person right next to you, and I want you to just say one person who you have in your mind that you could say, man, I, I just want to help lead this person. I need, I need to pray for this person. So who's one person in your mind that you could help lead? Maybe invite them to church, invite them to a small group. So go ahead, say them out loud to your friend. I just want you guys to just close your eyes. So go ahead and just, and just right where you are, just go ahead and close your eyes. And I want you to picture something with me. Picture your school. I want you to picture you walking down the hall in your school. And I want you to go ahead and just look to your left. Think about what you see. Maybe it's a, a doorway to a classroom. Maybe it's a locker. Maybe it's your friends. And then I want you to go ahead and look over to your right. And then what do you see? Maybe the lunchroom is down that way. What does it look like for God to come into your very familiar place and say, I want to use you there? Are you kind of looking at your life and saying, man, I don't, I don't know if God can use me. I don't know if God can really use me. And God is saying, I want to use you. Set apart to do works for me and for the kingdom. 
he draws you into the light. Chosen to lead his people, you were born to drown evil, stand rooted in truth, to know the Father, to make him known. Your days could echo for eternity. Lead this generation. Junior hires, you live your sixth grade year, your seventh grade year, your eighth grade year, one time. And how do you want to live it? Do you want to live it taking part in God's story and saying, I want to take part in what God is doing? Let's pray. God, you have big plans for this place. God, you have big plans for these students. You have big plans for their schools. God, and you are going to use them to change this world. God, because when we get a glimpse into your heart, God, we can do nothing but take part in what you're doing. God, you came into Moses' life, and you said, this is what I'm in the business of doing. Go and lead my people, God. And you are saying that to us. Lead my people. I pray that these students today leave this place, and they go into their schools, and they say, this year, I'm going to live this year all out for you. God, will you come into their lives, come into their schools, and they can, can they be lights in their schools? And we pray this in your name. Amen. Okay, guys, have a good week. We will see you next week. Go ahead and lead the generation. See you guys. Free service today. Love it.